Welcome to the Dreamer's Way podcast. I'm your host, Ella Ryan. Think of this space as your weekly getaway here to ignite your passion, elevate your mindset, and empower you to design a life that truly reflects your dreams. From life hacks to success stories, mindset shifts to moments of pure motivation, the Dreamer's Way is your ultimate source for crafting a life filled with purpose, passion, and endless possibilities. Whether you're looking for some guidance, here for some inspo, or just looking to learn something new, I hope you find a little piece of you inside each episode. Ready to dive in? Let's go. Hello, dreamers. Thanks for being here. Thank you for coming back and tuning in, whether you're listening to this on your walk, or you are habit stacking, or you're driving, or you're just chilling out and listening to this episode. I'm really happy that you're here. I'm also extremely excited for you. And I know I say this in each episode, but I'm learning so much week by week. And I know that you guys are too. I know that you're loving it. Each guest really brings such a unique flair and new level of excitement and inspiration into my life. And I hope that that resonates deeply with you guys too. Whether one episode is like really hitting home and the next is the episode that you send over to a friend that could really use it. It's all part of the project, all part of the big, my big purpose, and really just my ethos with this podcast. Somebody asked me the other day the whole point, or like, why, you know? And I feel like I haven't been able to nail it down into one sentence, but honestly, it all stemmed from my passion for learning several topics. And once I, I'm the type of person, once I get into one thing, I want to know it all. I want to keep learning and I want to keep growing and I want to keep applying new things to my life as I grow through seasons of my life. Because when I look back at my life five, six, seven years ago, what was serving me at that time isn't necessarily the same things that are serving me at my highest potential now. So knowledge is power, learning, and obviously leaning into things that just feel good for you. So if these episodes are feeling good for you, I'm so happy to hear that. I'm so glad that they're working for you. And this is a reminder to take the things that resonate and the things that don't, that's okay. Just leave them right where you found them and let's carry on. I've got a couple more episodes for this season and then we will be taking a short break so that I can get ready for season two. In the meantime, please, please reach out. Let me know who you'd love to hear. Let me know what you'd like to hear more of. Maybe certain topics, maybe you'd like a certain guest to come back. Maybe you'd like me to do a solo episode. I don't know. I don't know. You guys let me know and we will see what we can do for season two. In the meantime, today's guest is KJ Atlas. We cover, or better yet, she covers astrocartography. So I had a very brief understanding of what this was. I was introduced to it maybe about a year ago. It is a branch of astrology. I have like very basic understanding of it. I learned so much inside this episode. To put it in simplest terms, it's astrology but by location. So you're putting in the same details as you would for your birth chart. And you're actually getting a map of the globe. And KJ does a really good, an amazing job actually of explaining how it is you can, you know, read into the map a little bit more. And if the whole map of the world is a bit, you know, too much to start with, you can do by your current location. And on a smaller scale, we cover the different planets and how that can influence you in your life, whether that be in relationships, career, personal development, 
Oh my gosh, like just so, so much. So if you are somebody who loves astrology, you'll definitely love this. If you're just interested in hearing more about what astrocartography is, I definitely implore you to stay tuned, listen to this episode. It's so cool. And yeah, I learned so much about my unique placements and it actually really shines a lot of light on the different places that I've lived in the world and how that's influenced my life at that chapter. So very exciting. Let me know what you guys think. Please, please share the episode with a friend. If you love the episode, share it on your socials. It helps the podcast grow. It helps me reach new people, meet new people. And we just share in the love, guys. I love it so much. I do this because I love it. And I want you guys to feel amazing and inspired and uplifted. And that is my whole mission here. Not going to keep you guys any longer. I'll see you inside the episode. Hi, KJ. Thank you so much for being here today on the podcast. I'm so excited to learn more from you. Hi, Ella. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm super excited to dive in. So before we get into anything or dive a little deeper into your journey, can you explain to the audience what astrocartography is? Absolutely. First of all, it's one tool out of a whole umbrella of tools used in locational astrology. And locational astrology is a branch of astrology that deals with place, location, relocation, moving, vacationing, all of the above. If you're going to get on a plane, get in a car, walk somewhere else, you are using and interacting with locational astrology. Very cool. Do you mind sharing the relationship? So you kind of mentioned that it's like a branch of astrology. Yeah. Could you go a little deeper in terms of like the relationship to astrology? Yeah. I mean, you know what's so crazy is that most people don't even realize that there are so, so many realms and ways to use astrology. You know, when you first think of it, you're like, oh, horoscopes or mm-hmm. co-star or what's my sun sign? Maybe you know your moon sign or rising sign. That's like, you know, next level astrology, getting into it a little deeper because everyone has a birth chart. You know, you have nine different placements that make you unique. The chart isn't duplicated for 25,000 years. So you have a unique chart. You're not the same as people who have the same sun sign or even the same moon sign as you. It really does make you super unique. And everything has a chart. Your business has a chart. Your dog has a chart. The day you moved into your house, there's a chart. So if we start thinking that everything has a moment of conception, it helps to kind of paint this picture a little bit more. So let's start there. And then locational astrology. So where were you born, Ella? I was born in Quebec. Okay. So I was born in specifically Saint-Agathe-des-Mont. Yeah, middle of Quebec. So Canada. So, okay. Born in Quebec. Had you been born in, say, Sydney, Australia, at the exact same moment in time, obviously time zones are different. You would have the same moon sign, the same degree. All your placements would be in the same signs. But your rising sign would be different because if we think about the mechanics of the planet and the world, when we look at a chart, we're looking at a map of the sky when we look at a birth chart. And if we look to the left side of the chart, that's the rising sign. If you're familiar with looking at a chart, your sun, moon, rising, the rising is always on the left. And that's the sign that's coming up on the horizon. So to put it in literal terms, baby's born, you walk outside, you look to the eastern horizon, that's what's coming up. And if you could see the signs sketched out in the sky, 
you would see whatever your rising sign is if you look east. And then you would see whatever is on the, the, the west side, the descendant side, if you were to look west. And so we're kind of looking at like the sky when we look at, at the chart. And so if you were to be born in Sydney or Tokyo, Japan, instead of Quebec, you would have a completely different looking sky just because it would be daytime over here when it was nighttime over here. So if we think about it from these literal mechanic terms, where you were born, the location of where you were born has a big part in who you are because it, were you born at night or were you born in the daytime at the same day? So that's kind of the beginning idea. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But then we add another layer to it and we're like, what if, because now we have global travel, now we can get in an airplane, we can go across the world much easier than we could even just 50 years ago. That's when all of this started to become a thing because global travel became very accessible. Now we can hop on a plane and I can go and be in Australia within 24 hours. And with that, there's this idea of sort of like accelerating our own charts. So if we have the, if we have these birth charts and they sort of, the journey of our life is illustrated by how the chart is sort of activated over time. It's like this big clock. It's like this big wheel that turns in cycles. And if we were to stay, if you were to stay in Quebec, your life would unfold and you would have rich experiences as the transits activate your chart and that would be the story of your life. Now it gets even more dynamic and complex when you go and travel to all these different places and you move to different locations because like you're adding a layer of complexity of like what how would my life events unfold had I been born in Sydney instead of Quebec? And so you're accessing sort of like this other side of yourself that might not be as surfaced in a different location. Like we get to meet different versions of ourselves as we move to these different vortices along the map, as we'll talk about, like the astrocartography map. So we get to access different sides of ourselves that we might not normally get to if we were to stay in our hometowns. Very, very cool. Oh my gosh. And I love that there's more because I just love everything astrology. I'm curious to know what brought you into this space. Like what sparked your interest in astrocartography and and to be like working in this space? Yeah, I would say it's not very not a very conventional career that you just are like a little kid and you're like, I'm going to go be a pharmacist or a cop, you know? <laughs> I had a pretty tricky and interesting childhood. I grew up in a town of about 250 people and had a very, very small family. So there was a lot of isolation and restriction. I love my family. I have a wonderful relationship with several family members, but some of them not. And it's been challenging dealing with some of them. And I was like, why is this so difficult? Like, why do I have such a challenging relationship with where I grew up? Why do some people love where they grew up and have these like really happy memories of that? And I was always interested in astrology. And I was kind of just like, weird spiritual in middle school. Then I started to really study it more in high school and I did my senior paper on astrology beyond horoscopes and started to explore this. Mind you, I'm in a town of 250 people in the Bible Belt, so it definitely raised some hairs. People were like, this is devil worship. Like, what are you doing? This is dumb, whatever. And I caught wind of a school in Portland, Oregon, all the way across the country when I was in high school. And it was an astrology school. And I was like, I have to go there at some point. And I was like, you need to go to a real college. Like, you know, that's that's not a university. You need to go to a real university. And I'm like, okay. So I go on this journey, like going to college, trying to like 
you know, do the real path, even though I was still going to art school, like I'm to do the real thing. And I got very, very sick and had to drop out of college. Later got diagnosed with lupus and went on this really deep healing journey of like mind, body, spirit. And astrology was a key component in that healing process of building self-trust, building self-intimacy, building a deeper relationship with my body and my mind in order to create a foundation for healing. And then while I was in astrology school and going deeper, we started studying locational astrology. And I was like, oh my God, I grew up on the most challenging line that you could possibly live on. It's the Saturn IC, which puts cold, hard, mean Saturn in your cozy home. I was like, that tracks. (laughs) it gives me that validation of like why it was so challenging to live there and grow up there. And when I moved to the West Coast and I did end up going to that school and I was one of the last groups to go through before it folded around the pandemic, it just kind of opened up my life. It opened up all these doors because I was on these different lines and I didn't have that Saturn energy of restriction. And I was like, I have to share this because all the other writers at the time, are old men. A lot of them have died. And there's really no good information about this. And now that the world is so much more remote and we have global access, everyone needs to know that there are better options. Sometimes the answer is actually leaving your hometown or leaving where you live. You know, there's this idea like you don't want to escape your problems. It's like, well, sometimes the problem is where you live and you do need to move. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I'm, first of all, I'm sorry to hear that you had such a challenging experience, but it's incredible to hear where it brought you. It's divinely written. I'm not even mad about it. I'm like, it was supposed to be that way for all of this to unfold the way that it is. And when you got sick, were you in the same energy? Yeah. Yeah. Because I went from North Carolina to Savannah, Georgia, and it was exactly on the same longitude. So it was the exact same line. And I was actually closer to the line in Savannah, even though I love it. I think it's an amazing city. And that was when the lupus got really bad and we didn't know what it was. And I started to get really sick in my my joints, which are related to Saturn. Saturn rules the bones, were so swollen. My hands were so swollen. I couldn't do my final exams. And so I dropped out of college, came home and like went deep into this like healing vessel. This was back in like 2013. And it just kind of opened up a whole new portal of like, whoa, mind, body, spirit is so connected. There's so many things you have to do to heal. It's not about the doctor's office, but it's about the doctor's office plus a million other things in order to heal. And astrology was a huge component in that. I can't stress it enough. That is so, so beautiful. And I love that you mentioned that it's become more kind of, I guess, accessible is the word because we're just, we have access to travel so much easier than we did 50 years ago. And you really do a lot of people, you know, when you're, when a lot of people that have the ability or are fortunate enough to travel, like you can move or go, you can kind of choose and navigate where it is you go so that if it is your bubble right now, that just doesn't, that might feel off. Maybe you're completely, you've never heard the term astrocartography or you have no idea what we're talking about, but you get a sense or a feeling that where you are or where you've been feels really off or really great. And I I think that that's so cool. And I think that, you know, I love also mentioning or keeping in mind that like, I I guess, would you agree? There's no bad place. Every interaction is going to be so unique to you. Like would some people thrive on a certain line versus, you know, 
maybe their friend across the road? Like, is it very unique to your graph? Absolutely, because I've had people who are triple Capricorns who move to their Saturn lines and have thrived on their Saturn lines and love it. And it works because Saturn, it's a ruler of Capricorn, and they're really integrated with that energy. Saturn has been very tricky for me. It's not well-placed. It's not well-aspected. It is the most challenging planet in my chart versus when I go to my Pluto line, it's super integrated. So I'm just like, hey, let's talk about death and visit the cemetery. Like, that's fine. But, you know, the restriction energy of Saturn was very difficult for me, but it works for some people. And I will say there's a time and a place, like there's a prescription for everything. So anytime I work with people, I'm always like, what are your goals? Because, you know, if you want to be a stay-at-home parent and nurture and homestead, your goals are going to look very different from someone who's like, I am going to go to law school and I'm going to pass the bar. You're going to need that Saturn discipline energy versus you don't want that if you're trying to be a stay-at-home parent. You want like a moon line or something like nurturing and soft. It kind of depends on what you want and what your chart wants. And the hard part is that if you have a bad experience on a line, it might be you because you haven't integrated that part of your chart and now it has resurfaced. And it's like, hey girl, you're on a Pluto line and it's not working out. You've really got to work with Pluto, the energy of death and rebirth. Like what do you need to shed? If you're stuck and holding and trying to maintain something and not letting it naturally transform through the course of its life, then you're going to have trouble on a Pluto line. So I think it's always very important to start with your chart and your journey and your goals and then start looking at the map and researching those lines because you would be skipping a very crucial and critical step otherwise. I love that so much. I'm so happy that you mentioned the shadow side because I think oftentimes like a misconception i guess with astrology is just you know the pros the goals the like beautiful shiny things and yeah in reality like a huge part of it is addressing parts of ourselves or addressing addressing things that may feel a little uncomfortable or something that we need to like process or work through or or maybe it's part of our experience mm -hmm. so i think that that's really important to note but on the topic of different lines i would love to know how different planetary lines on the map can affect an individual's life. So you kind of mentioned a bit of like moon being more nurturing, Saturn being a bit more discipline. Are yeah. there other, yeah, other lines that pop out? So there's the luminaries, which are the sun and the moon. Those generally are going to be the most liked and the least challenging because they're probably more integrated for most people. So usually people go to a moon line and they're like, oh, I feel at home. It's really easy for me to build a life here. I want to keep going back there. Or a lot of times on a moon line, people will literally have family members who live there. There's a deeper family connection. Sun line, people usually have a fantastic time on their sun line because it helps develop the healthy identity, the healthy ego that we're here to do. It's like we develop our avatar. We become more of ourselves and we feel seen by other people. So typically, those are going to be lines. And without looking at the chart, they're usually going to be the better ones. Now, if you have a really, really hard aspect, let's say like your moon and Saturn are very intertwined, like they're in a conjunction or an opposition, your moon line isn't going to feel as cozy as someone who has a very happy moon in their chart. So it does depend on the person. But typically, if we're isolating just the archetypes of those, sun and moon, great places to live. You feel at home. You feel seen. 
Moon's cozier, more family-oriented, where Sun is more extroverted, social. Venus tends to be one of the more benefic. I have seen people just absolutely destroy their life through the chaos of Venus, but for the most part, it's it's expansive, it's pleasurable, it's fun. You have great relationships. And Jupiter is the other benefic that's typically a good line. Doesn't mean you can't have bad experiences on it, but people will give you free things. You know, you'll get opportunities faster than other people. Those are the ones that tend to be the favorable lines that everyone wants to know about. Now, the challenging ones that are not completely challenging, Mars is one of them. I live on a Mars line. Yes, I've had some challenges, but the benefit of hustle, grind, attraction, being able to work harder and double my income. Those are all Mars line things, but it has put some pressure on my adrenals, you know, the cortisol. It's like you think about Mars being like this masculine force of energy. So it kind of depends on what you're ready to do at the time. I'm like, I'm ready to hustle. Let's go to the Mars line. Is it forever? Maybe not. (laughs) I can't imagine myself being in this hustle mode when I'm like 65 and wanting to chill out. So, you know, there's different lines for different times in your life. Saturn's kind of the same, but it's, I would say, harsher than Mars. It's like you got to be really disciplined and there's going to be challenges. You got to figure out how to really work with your resources. And Pluto can also be a challenging line. You know, it sends you through the death and rebirth cycle. It helps you grow. It helps you evolve. (laughs) That has very different meanings for different people. You know, the spiritual growth junkie is like, yeah, send me to a Pluto line. And the person who just wants to live a very comfortable simple life goes to a Pluto line and all those simple material things are thrown upside down and they're very unhappy. So like I said, it depends on the person. Chiron lines can be tricky, but they're really good for healing. And we didn't talk about Mercury and Neptune because Mercury is kind of a toss-up. It's it's the trickster of the planets <laughs> and it also makes you really social, but it can also make you stimulated and busy. So it kind of depends on your relationship with Mercury. You know, do you have Mercury retrograde in your chart? Are you a Mercury dominant person? Maybe you would love your Mercury line. Maybe you would feel absolutely spastic and spiral and be like, I can't handle the quickness of the pace here. And then Neptune's also one of those toss-up lines where I've seen people go there in their early 20s and really get sucked into the escapism of Neptune and party a lot. And then I've seen people in their 50s and 60s go to their Neptune line, take up watercolor painting, do yoga every day, and they have a beautiful, blissful spiritual life. So it depends on the stage of life. I usually say Neptune lines are better for retirees. It doesn't matter your age. You know, you could be 30 and retired if you're fortunate. So if you're ready to not make deadlines, Neptune is a great place. If you want to make deadlines, Saturn is a great place. So they all have a unique signature, and it all depends on your goals. That's was literally going to be my next question. And I love that it ties into more specifically the route that someone's looking to take. A side question for anyone that's listening that might feel a bit overwhelmed. Can your graph, your map, it won't look identical to anyone in your family. So if you live in one specific area and four other people that you're very close to are all there as well, that location is going to affect them differently, correct? Absolutely. Like even if you found someone who was born on the same day as you and close to the same time and you are chart twin, but you were born in different locations, your map is going to look different. There's, I've never seen two maps that look the same. So fascinating. 
And it does have everything to do with how you experience a place. Cause I've had some people say, I hate Germany. And then I've had people say, yeah. I love Germany. You know, it's, right, yeah. it, it's all dependent on your, your map. Very interesting. Do you get people that will come to you prior to like booking a holiday? Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's like a honeymoon or if it's like mm. a, this is a save our marriage vacation or like this is like one of the big trips of our life, a big anniversary trip to make it really intentional. Because if you're going to spend a lot of money on a trip, you don't want to go somewhere. I've seen people go on vacation to like their Uranus line and everything they planned gets canceled. It falls through. They have bad weather. It's like all this abrupt. That was the other one we didn't talk about. Uranus throws you curveballs. Now, if you're in a rut in your life and you're like, I need to change my life, go to a Uranus line because it's going to shake up the soda can and throw everything in a different direction. So it can be useful, but like, you know, for a vacation that you want to rest and relax, you don't want to do that. And you look at both peoples and kind of create a, a system of like, here's areas that we rule out for this person. Here's areas we rule out for this person. And then here's the areas that are a common denominator. And then you can logistically pick what makes the most sense as far as distance, climate, language barriers, cost, all of those things that are really practical that you would do anyway when you're planning a vacation. Most people just don't consider the vibes, <laughs> which affects everything else. You know, if the vibes are bad, you're going to pay more. The weather's going to probably suck. Who knows what? I love that you said the vibes. They don't check the vibes. We check the weather. We check everything else. But it's like, I guess, you, unless you go, you wouldn't really have, most yeah. people wouldn't have an understanding of, you know, how they're actually going to experience that location. Yeah, because we have these ideas like when we get on TikTok and Instagram and we see people in like Costa Rica and we're like, God, that looks so dreamy. And yeah, it is. But if you have a really bad line there, you're not going to have that same experience as that influencer. So you have to look at it from your own lens and your own map. And I love also that you use the word integration as like a huge part of living on each line or traveling to different lines, because I think that's exactly it, right? Like you said, depending on what your relationship is with your sun sign, your moon sign, your ascending, or how much mercury you have in mm -hmm. your chart, your awareness around it. Because my moon, I think I actually delve into like my moon sign properly, maybe four or five years ago. And then knowing yeah. that I live on a moon line, I, I kind of know what to expect with that energy. And I lean into it because I, I guess at this stage now it's comfortable, but it wasn't always that way. It, it was kind of yeah. like I had to adapt to that energy and then also play it to my advantage. Like I know that this is how my moon, be, I know how it feels and it does feel familiar and it's nurturing and it does feel way more at ease. So I think, yeah, it, a huge part of this whole journey of visiting any line on your astrocartography or experiencing a line is, is the integration process. So I'm really glad that you brought that up. Yeah, it's important. And I think, you know, if you want to go have a really easy vacation, think about which of your placements you really feel connected to. If you're like, hmm, I'm a Gemini, but I don't really feel like that. But if you're like, well, I really resonate with my Taurus moon, go to your moon line because you're going to have more of that Taurus moon experience. Probably lots of spa dates and chocolate and good food and lounging by the pool and all the things that the bull grazing in the pasture would find pleasurable. So fascinating. I actually always said that what I resonate more with my moon than my sun. So that Most makes people do. Sense. Most people do because it's like what our instincts are. And usually kids show up as their moon sign. We don't really develop our sun signs until 
honestly, like puberty, teenage high school years where you're like, okay, I want to create an identity. Like, who am I? How do I want to express myself? What are, what's my click? You know, am I the art kids? Am I the jocks? Like you start to form an identity of yourself. And that's where the sun sign really begins to develop. But never related to my sun sign. I always felt more like my moon sign, which is cancer. And you said the same thing. And I think, I think it's really common to resonate more with that, especially, especially women, more feminine centered people might resonate more with your moon sign because we're allowed to express it more like through societal standards, you know? Right. And the sun is connected to ego, correct? Yeah. And that's a trigger word for a lot of people. So it's like your sense of self, like who are you? Not your career, but like how would your friends describe you? How would you describe yourself not speaking to your career, which Americans really have trouble with? If you were to describe yourself in five words with adjectives, what would they be? That can be your sun sign. Mm. It's so true, right? Like I think when I first heard anything in the spiritual, anything really addressing the ego, I was like, oh my gosh, me? Like, What are you talking about an ego? It is. It's like, it's it's an identity. And it makes sense. I love that you use that example of like coming into your adolescent teenage years. Up until then, you're not even thinking about your the way you're presenting. You're just being. You're going from instinct. You're going from nature and nurture. And, and you're free to be all of these identities in one. And then yeah. the sun kicks in and becomes this is who I am without yeah. using a, a job title or or whatever, however you choose to present yourself. I think that's so cool. 100%. Yeah. It's like we look in the mirror one day and we're like, whoa, I am an individual. What does that look like? Who is this? Yeah. Does ast- astrocartography, this is always something that I'm very fascinated about. And if I can ever find more information or any more like insight towards it, I will. Does astrocartography provide any sort of insight into someone's life purpose or passions. It helps to achieve it faster if you go to certain places. So your chart's already going to show you what your purpose is, what your... So a lot of people think, oh, my purpose is my job. Let me look at the midheaven, which is the 10th house. And that's unfortunately not the case. We love to be able to monetize our purpose and passion. Maybe not everyone is supposed to. So I Mm. always look at the north node of the chart for a sense of satisfaction that's what's going to bring us a sense of purpose and fulfillment and if we go to lines on the chart on the map that are associated with us growing into that purpose or that destiny it will help us do it faster that's what happened with me when i moved from well there was a couple stops along the way but when i moved from east coast all the way to portland I was on a North Node line, which helped me move towards that North Star, move into my soul career, and become an astrologer, which if you told me that 10 years ago, I would think that you were crazy. (laughs) And so going to certain places can help you achieve those purpose goals faster Mm. or at an accelerated pace. Yeah. You know what? I think it's important to note that you said that you're purpose doesn't necessarily mean something you're going to monetize, that it can just be whatever it is that your purpose is and that living on certain lines or visiting certain lines can amplify it, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I have a family member who moved 
continent. So she was originally from Europe and moved, and she's on a Venus line. And it wasn't so much about relationships, but it's Venus in the home, and she has the most immaculate edible garden I've ever seen in my life, the most beautiful home. And that's Venus in the home, like this abundance, this cornucopia, this like pleasure. And that shows up. And that is a big part of her purpose, even though she has a day job. Mm. But her life is centered around when I get off work, I go spend all my time in the garden and I nurture that. And that is where I feel the most at home and satisfied is like the seven hours in the afternoon where she's like in the garden. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that sounds so lush and beautiful. I wish I could see it. Yeah, it's pretty epic. <laughs> so what lines or what do you, what is it that you love most about astrocartography? I know it's probably given you a lot of like insight into your own personal journey that you kind of had that like aha moment after looking at your personal map. Yeah. But what is it that you love most? That it's like a choose your own adventure. I think it allows us more free will with astrology because if you start to get into astrology then there's the existential crisis of wait is all of this pre-planned like is this like a code and or like a simulation everything is just laid out with fate and that it can be very mentally jarring i've had several of those existential thoughts with myself like you know what does this mean for what i believe about the world and i think astrocartography gives you a very practical tool where you can work with it and say i'm in control i'm in control of if i want to go swim in Mars energy. If I want to take a break and I want to go swim in moon energy, I can make that decision at different times of my life. Kind of like I'm doing now, like on the Mars energy. And just like you said, you know, when you first get there, you're doing a lot of integrating. My Mars is in Taurus, which is not a good placement. And the shadow of that would be passivity and Maybe people pleasing, not really being assertive, not really like promoting yourself, kind of just being like calm and like, like imagine the calm, peaceful bull trying to be a warrior. It doesn't, it's not congruent. So when I got here, my lesson was really about speaking my truth, asking for what I need and want, being more unapologetic and promotional, being more direct, like leaning more into that Mars energy that I was not comfortable with at all. Cause I was very in my feminine. And since moving here, I'm more in my masculine and there's more of a balance. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. I love that. I couldn't agree more that a big part of astrology, I think at least the experience for me was I felt like a big part of it was out of my control. It was predestined. It just, it is what it is, is black and white. You know, this is what's written in the stars. You're not changing your sun sign. You're not changing your moon sign. So knowing that there's an aspect of it that you can play with. And like you said, once you kind of have an idea of the different planets and their energy, maybe adjusting trips, not saying that you have to move to your moon or move to a certain planet, but at least you have that familiarity. And if you're in that space in your life where you have the capacity to dig a little deeper or experience something a bit more jarring, then you can make that decision for yourself as opposed to like an experience like yourself where you, you know, you you didn't realize that this was the energy that you were in for so long. And then you start to think that, you know, is it me? Because this person over here seems to be doing just fine. And that person's doing whatever. Because I think it's it's our human nature to compare ourselves to others. So it, we would naturally just think that my path needs to be the same as theirs in order to feel successful or, or feel feel just good. That's such a good point. I think that's another reason I love astrology and astrocartography is because it helps take comparison out of the equation. 
because you really are on your own unique intentional path or journey like you're creating it and there's no correct timeline and if you try to compare yourself to someone else it's you're going to keep getting snags yeah i think that's what i love about it most too because i always say that i'm like there is no right path or catching up because you're Mm -hmm. not on the same path like it might look like it you know we have these like mile markers in humanity that we kind of have put there for us but there's no right or wrong way to do things i'm such an advocate for like making your own path and and if you know if everyone's saying to go left but right feels good go right you know as long as you're not hurting anybody but if it feels good to you like you should you should feel empowered by that decision and by that thought process. Totally. And if your astrology doesn't feel empowering, if it feels like it takes all of the control out of it, you're doing it wrong. So read some different books, follow some different people, go a little bit deeper into it instead of pulling back because it can freak people out and they're like, oh my God, mm. I don't want to know about my future. Girl, I don't either. So let's just look at it through this practical lens of, helping us achieve what we want, helping us make the world a better place, find more bliss, better relationships. Like it, it's a tool. 100%. If you could pick, so this is going to be very specific to your map. If you could pick okay. one place or one line to visit based off of your astrocartography map, where would you go? I haven't been to Greece and I have a very good career line, a Jupiter career line there. And I'm just putting that out there that I do want to venture that way. And I have a big Athens poster in my room because that's another hack. If you can't make it to a place, bring items from countries or cities where you have good lines into the spaces where it's supported. So you have a career line in India, bring art from India in your office. You have a moon line in Panama, get some textiles for your bed from Panama. You know, you can bring these items in that kind of, it's like uh, like feng shui, sort of. Like you're bringing in a, a certain energy with your materials and decorations. Like I love going on Etsy and buying art from countries that I have good lines. I love that. That's such a great idea because I buy art from Etsy all the time. Etsy. I Etsy, love that. Like, very cool. So would you say it's kind of like, like and I'm sure anyone listening can relate to this. There's a few places in the world that I have yet to go to, and I would absolutely love to in time, but I just naturally feel a connection. I'm like, I just know I'm going to love this place or this. I just feel like I have a piece of me there, even though I've never been. I'm going off of like my feelings towards places. Would that be a very similar energy to like, so if you have a feeling towards, let's say Greece, but you didn't know your line, would you start incorporating that art or that like? that energy around you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because most of the time I would say at least over half of my client sessions, whatever place they're wanting to go to, like if they're like, okay, let's look up Portugal, Bali, whatever. Those places have lines that will support them in whatever transits they're going through, whatever period of life they're in. And it's like their subconscious is like dying to go there. Like I had this guy healing from a breakup and he was like, I want to look at these three cities. One was in America, one was in Portugal, one was in South Asia, and they were all Pluto lines. And I was like, okay, buddy, what's going on? Like, what are you trying to heal? And he's like, well, I just had a breakup. And I was like, okay, like that can be really good to go through 
the Pluto transformational flying from the ashes rebirth on a Pluto line and your soul really wants to do that. So he went and he was there and he messaged me and was like, hey, is it always going to feel like this? I said, yeah. I said, yeah. So once you know that you've you've had your time there, like it served its purpose, press on. So interesting. I think we're just so much, people don't give themselves enough credit as to how tapped in they are to their own needs in their own journey. And I, I, when I say people, I mean, I'm always include myself in that. Like I am on a life journey and I, I love the ups and downs, even if I don't love it in the moment, but I find it so fascinating that our innate desires or curiosities generally have a, a, a bigger purpose that yeah. we're not attaching to it in that moment. But it's like, it's so, so fascinating that the three places he picked had a similar energy. So there was, yeah. clear, there was something, something bigger there. I'd love to ask you if you're happy to share, do you have like a specific client or somebody that comes to mind that you know has had like a profound experience visiting or moving to a certain line or maybe moving away that like made such a stark change in their life? Yeah. <laughs> okay, there's one that comes to mind that is very, very transformational and so intense. I had this client who at the time, did not even know that this was her Neptune line. And for context, Neptune is the planet of spirituality, transcendental experiences. We feel very connected to the other side. It's imagination. It's all things right brain. Like if I had to come up with an archetype for Neptune, it would be Willy Wonka or Glenda the Good Witch, like just this whimsy kind of ethereal energy. So if you look at the map, if you use astro.com and you look at the map, you'll see that there's lines and then there's these little circles at some point on the line. And that is a zenith. And that's a point where it's extra strong. A lot of people get really bummed when they don't go to those lines. And like, sometimes you don't want to go, you don't want to be in the center of the tornado for a long time. Like that's a very intense energy to be in where that little circle is on the map. And so this client 20 years ago, went to that circle on her Neptune line, the Zenith, the most intense Neptune energy, and went with her meditation teacher that she knew for two weeks and married him and then went there and visited the guru. And the guru gave them this like crystal rock from this special mountain. And it was just this overall so surrendered Neptunian experience, like marrying your meditation teacher who you haven't known for very long but it just feels magical and they're still together like it's it wasn't just like a fly-by-night relationship they've been together for like 20 years so that's the first example that comes to mind i i could probably think of hundreds wow and i guess it all comes together after the fact most of the time right for some people unless they know their astrocartography map like it's well, a matter yeah, of connecting like she, the dots she was like, backwards. wow, I had this crazy experience in this mountain in India. And it's like, yeah, well, it was it was in the washing machine of your Neptune line. Is that sorry? So that circle is called Zen? The Zenith, Z-E-N-I-T-H. So it's let's take think of it about the sun. So when the sun is at Zenith, it's like noon. It's like exactly above. And so that that would be Zenith. So if you were born at noon, then you would probably have the sun 
in at Zenith. Yeah, if you were born at noon, you'd probably have the sun at Zenith. But we can't see these other planets with the naked eye, like Neptune and Saturn is occasionally throughout the year. But typically, we can't see these planets with the naked eye. But if we could, then had she been born on that mountain in India, Neptune would have been directly above at the highest, most visible point at the time she was born. So wild. I know before we hopped on the call, we were talking about my, I was mentioning a couple of my placements and my partners. And I actually, I didn't have a, the word for the zenith, but he's on a zenith. And oh I kind God. of imagined it was a, a just stronger version of yeah. energy. Yeah. And so for a positive planet that's really integrated, being in the zenith can work really well. But for the ones that are harder to integrate, typically the outer planets. So Uranus. Neptune, Pluto, Saturn, they're they're harder to integrate because they're not as personal. Like they're societal planets that rule generations. So like your your husband, he's on a you said a Venus line. Yeah. So Venus is a personal planet. We're much more likely to be integrated into our Venus, which rules our values, our feminine side, which we all have, by the way. We all have a Mars masculine and we all have a Venus feminine. And so he might be more tapped into that, especially if he's a creative or a visionary. And then being in the zenith of that can just absolutely propel it forward. So fascinating. I hope that everyone listening goes to pull up their map after this because <laughs> it's going to be wild when you first look at it. It can be quite overwhelming, but yeah. it's incredible. And it's so fun for me, I guess at this stage is looking back at places that I've traveled to, because then you can kind of relate to it, right? You've already had an experience in that place yeah. versus looking at the lines and then you haven't been there just yet. So it's, it's incredible. Like I, I'm just, yeah. I'd love to know if from your experience, if you have any like major misconceptions that you come across with astrocartography that oh, yeah. you feel like are just, they're becoming like, you know, kind yeah. of slow process down or like making it harder for people to integrate all this there's information. this idea on tiktok right now that like all your lines are in the ocean and that fundamentally is not possible like everyone says well it is possible for me i'm like either there's a calculation error on your map like it's just no i've i've looked at thousands and thousands of maps and i've never ever seen that before and like i said at the beginning astrocartography is one technique and it's it's a summary of what we would get if we were looking at a million relocated charts. And so when I'm looking at someone's city's map, I will always pull a relocated chart, which is essentially your chart, but calculated for the time zone change at the exact same time, but for that city. So like I said earlier, you were born in Quebec. If you were born in Sydney, we would pull your chart calculate the time zone difference so that your moon degree is the exact same and we would see that your rising sign's different. And so that would give us information about the flavor of the place because sometimes people think, oh, if I go to my sun line and my Venus line, it's going to be amazing. But if you relocate, if you go to that Venus line and maybe it's in a house that's not very healthy, like the 12th house or the sixth house and like because some houses are harder to aspect that i'm talking about houses of a chart there's 12 of them and they rule different areas of life and think of it like has rooms in a house you know there's some rooms that you like more than others you probably like your living room more than you like the dirty basement cellar that you're afraid to go in so let's say the sun is in the dirty basement cellar 
you're not going to have as great of a time as when the sun is on the front porch, you know, basking in the glow of everyone around. I know that's kind of a weird analogy, but if you think of it as like, just because it's a sun, you got to think about where it's placed. So just because you've heard that a Venus line is going to help you find love, that is not true. We would probably want to relocate one of your positive planets to the DS line, which is the descendant. That's where your relationships are. And if you put your sun or moon on a DS line, you're probably going to find your person more than being on a Venus AS line, which is your ascendant. That could make you attractive and magnetic, but you're more likely to find your partner if you have a healthy seventh house. And that's the DS when we look at the map. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you discern between a positive planet versus, I guess, a not positive planet? Like, how do you know that I have a good moon versus, is, is would bad moon be the, I don't want to oh, yeah, say I bad say moon because like, I guess it's different. Whether it's, whether it's easier to access and integrate again, like that, okay. that part. So there's the whole system of astrology has planets that are in their domicile. Like they function so well. Think about when you come home and you're like, okay, I can do anything I want here. I can walk around naked, throwing off my brats, going on the chair. It's like, this is my space. I can behave however I want to. It's comfortable. Then you have planets that are exalted. That makes them content. They're really happy, but they're not going to be as comfortable as if they're at home. It's like going to their favorite timeshare that they've been to every year. So they know it really well, but they're not going to like, you know, throw their bra on the table in the same way as like when you're at home. It's a, you're going to behave yourself a little bit more. And then you have planets that are just neutral. It's like, yep, it, you know, it's there. It's doing its thing. It's functioning fine. And then you have planets that they're in detriment. So they're really not comfortable being there and the energies are incongruent. So let's say like Uranus in Taurus. We've had that for a long time. That's an outer planet. And if Taurus likes to stabilize and create security, create peace and consistency, it's very dependable. You put Uranus, which is the planet of abrupt change, revolutions, breaking the tower, that energy together is incongruent and very uncomfortable. So you want to look at your own chart and say, do I have planets that are in detriment or fall? Those are the challenging ones. And you can find tables of that like online. Like It'll say, oh, Mercury. Mercury is at home in Virgo and Gemini. It's going really well. Mercury is not doing as well in Pisces. You know, there's like all of these different significations that make it a little bit more complex. And it's not as easy for, you know, just the average person going and looking at the astro map. But I would say it is important if you're committed to the longer journey of getting to know your chart, which I encourage everyone to do, is to know which planets are really nourished, are really comfortable. If you think of them like humans, like, you know, are, are their digestion going well? Like, are, are they are they healthy? You know, are they happy? Or does this one need a little extra TLC? Like, do we need to focus on this and try to learn how to work with it a little more? If you move to a line on one of those planets where you have to work with it a little more and figure out the challenges, you're going to embrace those challenges when you get to that place. So if you have Venus and Scorpio, and I've seen this before, you're going to have the challenges that Venus and Scorpio might have, which 
the shadow side of that would be like obsession or like really unhealthy enmeshment, unhealthy relationships because there's like a, a an, an unhealthy dynamic, like a give and take. That could be a symptom of someone who has Venus in Scorpio. Now, if you go to that Venus in Scorpio line, that Venus line, you're thinking you're going to find love, but you haven't worked through all of your Venus and Scorpio challenges, they're going to come up. Yeah. Wow. So there's so much and it really just depends on your specific placement. When I think, when I picture a birth chart in my mind, so for someone that's brand new to this, you've got a big circle, mm-hmm. 12 houses, 12 houses, 12 signs. So by the houses, you've got one through 12. If you're somebody who's looking at your birth chart and you're seeing all the little symbols placed all around Would you recommend someone start by looking at like what the house represents and then looking at what's inside of that house before moving over to the line? Like, is that, is there like some sort of sequence that you would recommend someone do in order for it to like, for you to get the full, I guess the full prism, because like you mentioned, it depends on what house, what sign, you know, it's going to be so different and unique per person that that might be something worth looking into. Totally. What my process when I'm sitting down doing this with someone is, well, I'll first, you know, define the goals, which we've talked about. And then I'll go through each of the placements and I'll say, oh, your son and Aries, that's really comfortable. Like, you know, you're comfortable with yourself. You've developed a healthy identity. And I would look to see if it's making any hard aspects. So if you look at the chart and you see like bright red angles, those are hard aspects. And if you see like blue lines, those typically are easier aspects. So I would check that out too, but don't worry about it. I would just look at the condition and the house that it's in, but the condition first. So I would look and say, okay, is is your moon happy? Is it in Taurus, which would be a happy moon, or is it in Capricorn, which is a more challenged moon? That would be pretty tough. So you have to think about your relationship to that and start to unpack it a little bit more, which I always do. Like, okay, let's talk about it. Let's figure out how this manifests and see where you're at with it. But if you're aware of your Capricorn moon challenges and you've worked through them, then what else kind of surprises are you going to get if you go to that line? Is it going to actually help you? It might actually help you. Even if it is a challenging, it kind of depends on where you're at with it at that stage. So I would go through each planet and I would say, is this thriving, healthy, neutral, getting sick or very sick and figure out where you're at with it in the journey of healing each of those placements. And then we'd kind of rate them and say like, okay, that's a really good condition. That's really good condition. Let's look at those and see where they are in the world on the map. And then let's go and pull relocated charts for any specific cities that fall along that line. So let's say you have a line that runs through Barcelona. It's also going to run through Eastern Africa the whole continent. So it's like, okay, which cities along this line that runs through Eastern Africa up through, you know, Eastern Spain and probably up through the UK, which cities actually fit where you would want to be or go? And then we'll pick individual cities and pull those relocated charts to get all the information to make a solid decision. But if you're just using the map, that's good enough, but get to know the planet placement first. That's such good advice. I love that you, I also really love that you you use the word there's positive planet and then more challenging. I always have a hard time. I don't want to say there's, it's not negative. It's just challenging and it's just unfamiliar and it needs a little bit more integration, a little bit more work. Mm -hmm. And that's the reality for every human being on this planet. There's nobody that's going to have all perfect. Everything's rainbow and sunshine wherever you go. 
For someone who is just starting to explore the world of astrocartography, do you have any insight to offer or advice to offer to maybe spark their curiosity or guide them in on this journey? Maybe like a starting point? Well, I love your idea of making a list of all the places you've been to. And before you pull up the map, write down the mood of your experience. Like, if you're like, oh, this was a red hot experience, like passionate. It added so many lovers when I was there. Uh, I was busy, busy, busy. Like write down the characteristics of it and then go pull it up on the map and see what kind of crossovers are there. Because if you're just exploring and you use astro.com, you can go to the right-hand side, click show details. It'll give you like an AI-generated description. Are they accurate all the time? No, but it's a place to start. It can be fun. Like if you just want to party trick this with your friends, pull it up and click the description and, and see what's there. If you want to get more information, you can click the little buttons at the top that say show harmonious and disharmonious aspects and you get even more lines. It shows so much more and it can be very overwhelming. So I do it when you're like zoomed into a place. If you're like, okay, I just want to look at Europe. Then you click those extra lines and you'll get all this extra information. Wow. I guess the other thing I wanted to ask you too, is there, so if you don't live directly on a line, because mm -hmm. I guess for those who haven't seen a, a map yet, you'll understand this when you look at one. There's a lot of lines, but there's also a lot of areas and cities and countries and places that just don't interact with the line specifically. Are you feeling the energy of the line closest to you? Is it just less intense? Yeah, I would say you are. And I would also say you want to be on the west side of a line for it to really be in its full glory. Uh, don't worry about the technicals of it, but you want to be on the west side of the line. and there are no places that don't have any lines. Like that's a big misconception. Every place has a certain energy and you can discover that by the relocated chart. You can look at the rising. So let's say you're like, I really want to go to London, but I have no lines near there. What is the mood of it? You can still go pull a relocated chart of London and it's going to have a different rising sign and you're going to see where your sun relocates to. Maybe you're someone that has your son in the fifth house. You relocate to London. It puts it in the second house. Second house is all about money. So maybe your experience there is going to be about learning how to work with money, making more money, managing your finances, building a sense of self-worth and confidence. All that stuff is very second house. So it's not just the map. I think the map is a fantastic starting point, but it doesn't just stop there. We can look and grab other information from these other systems. And also local space is something that I wanted to bring up because it's a different technique that works really well if you don't have the means to leave your area or don't want to. If you're like, hey, I am living on a tough line and I can really only afford to move across town or I can't even move, but maybe I can go spend time during the day. Maybe I can get a fitness studio on a better line in my area. Maybe I can find a church or a grocery store or things in my area that are on better lines, that is when I would use a technique called local space, which is also on astro.com. And so if you're listening to this whole conversation, you're like, yeah, well, this is all great, but I don't have the ability to travel or move across the country or across the world. There are options. There's always an option. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that it's always important. And I just love having, I love knowing that there's a way to access this energy no matter what. And if it's a matter of, you know, 
being present in a, like you said, a grocery store or a gym or something that's already you have access to. Thank you for sharing that. I promise I'll leave all everything that you've spoken about in terms of links and how to access these tools. I'll leave it all in the show notes. I am trying to integrate and process everything you've shared. I'm like, can't wait to pull up my map again. I would love it if you could share with the audience where they can find you, like work with you, learn more from you, connect with you. I'm always active on my Instagram, as we all are in this day and age. And it's kj.atlas. And then I do everything else on my website and have a lot of free resources. I love to put out blogs whenever I can to educate more about this stuff. So if you're more of a reader than an auditory processor, check out some of those blogs too that can explain astral cartography a little bit deeper. And that's where I do all of my booking, my one-on-one programs. You can learn more about that through my website, which is just kjatlas, like the map.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking this time to chat with us and give us so much value. I feel like I learned so much. I'm going to need to rewatch this and listen in order to like make notes specifically to my lines. But thank you. And I honestly, I know for again, everyone listening, it's a lot. (laughs) I know it's a lot. I know it's It's a a lot. lot. And you know, the challenging is, is like it, you know, we could make it really simple, but it would cheapen it. And that is just not how I like to do things, you know? Absolutely. And nor should you because it's such a rich experience. I think like any sort of typology or or astrology or branch of astrology or tool that you end up connecting with or finding can be so powerful. And like you said, so empowering when done appropriately that I think everyone deserves that. So if you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh my gosh, astrocartography is my thing. Like, I, I'm so excited for you to like continue on this journey. I'm so excited that you came and you found this episode. And I hope you go over and follow KJ and learn more from her because I know I will. And yeah, I'm really grateful that you spent some time with us today. And all the knowledge that you shared with us is like so invaluable. Thank you so much, Ella. It's been really fun hanging out with you and the audience. And I'm just excited. Please go explore, like get to know your chart. That's what I always say. Just like create a really strong, intimate relationship with your chart and it will change your life. So cool. Well, thank you so much. And we'll chat very soon. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Dreamer's Way podcast. If you found value in today's episode, please consider supporting the show by leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback truly means the world to us and it helps others discover the podcast too. Thanks again for tuning in. Your support keeps us going and we can't wait to have you back for more. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep on dreaming.